Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, are you on Twitter? I am on the Twitters. I'm Big Kurt on the Twitters at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Kurt, it's it's like I just saw you on the screen somewhat recently here. Yeah, because because you did. And by the way, even Twitter anymore? Is it X now? Do they not are we calling it X or are we still calling I, it? I'm gonna no, call it. No, it kind of has because I think it's no longer a tweet. It's a post. It's a post. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look up my phone right now. It still has the same exact icon that it's always had. Nothing's changed really? on my phone. Oh, no, no kidding. Here, yeah. I'm going to show you mine. Okay. Mine does not have the same icon. You have mine, the X. Mine has the X's. Wow. Right in yeah. the corner there. I don't know who's cooler in this. Me or, me for being still being the OG or you being the new updated version. I, I prefer Twitter, I think. Yeah. It's just the OG. I don't know why you would change it. I think I think our guy Elon just likes to have some fun every now and then, just spice things up. Because you have to change the vernacular. Like a tweet is part of our vocabulary now. Uh, it, correct. And my take on it is I will still say Twitter and tweet uh, until there is a gigantic sea change that, that goes opposite of that. If that happens, then I'll probably reluctantly join along with it. It's almost like Two and three and four teams getting added to your conference. You know, it's just good point. You, you can try to fight it, but you don't really have any power against it. At some point, you're probably going to accept it. That's, that's just true. Nothing, that's going to go. Nothing is serious in the world anymore. So <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, let's get serious here. huh? We have got a, a four team, our first four team team preview. The Ohio State Buckeyes, the Illinois Fighting Illini, the Maryland Terrapins, and the Northwestern Wildcats, um, do you kind of want to give a shout out to a couple of publications yeah. here? Yeah, so the two that we lean on the most heavily on this podcast, I know I do, I think you do too, yes. is of course, first uh, friend of the show, Brett Ciancia and his Pick 6 Previews publication. It's my favorite one every year. It's the one I'm most excited to look at and read and dive into. I print it out every year, even though I get it in PDF form. So it's my little handbook for the season. And I just love the way that he tells a story for yep. each team. Yep. Uh, the the one thing you don't get from Brett that I love on the Athlon side is the depth charts. So I, I do like the Athlon publication too. I think it's the, the next best one out there after Brett's. Uh, the one thing I have a complaint though this year about Athlon is they've, they've compacted their analysis down to a single page for each yep. team now every team it, it used to be two pages for at least for power five teams they're down to one but i do they do a pretty good job with the depth charts of course nobody can be perfect when you're publishing these at this time of year like you know i i look at the illinois i, I see at least one mistake on the illinois roster but overall they have a high accuracy rate and that's not easy to do so athlon picks six previews Love both of those. Highly recommend to all the listeners. Yeah, Athlon, obviously, number one. Number two, uh, or, yeah, picks, excuse me, pick six previews, obviously, number one. Athlon, number two. Uh, Lindy's is my next one because uh, they've got some stats that are readily available that, that make it easy for what I do here. 
Uh, but but the, the biggest one is is our insiders because they have done a great job for me filling in. I will give them props for each one, and we might even have a little surprise for folks with that. Um, so we really, I really appreciate all of the help that that my insiders have given. Uh, should we just jump right in and just get yes, right sir. to the teams? Okay, yes, first sir. team preview, first team up, the 2023 Ohio State Buckeyes. Shout out to my insider, a great resource for all Big Ten tweets and info, Mr. Ohio at Mr. Ohio. Give him a follow if you aren't already. Last five years, pretty good record for the Buckeyes, 55 and 7. I can't go by total wins because of our silly 2020 year, so I have to go percentages is what I've had to work out. At 89%, that is first in the Big Ten the last five years, so they haven't quite relinquished everything with that. Coach Ryan Day entering his fourth season. Defensive coordinator Jim Knowles entering his second season. Offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson pretty much been with Ryan Day from the get-go. Yeah, um, what are we thinking about the Ohio State Buckeyes? Well, you know, it's interesting that they have an 89% winning percentage, yet there's a faction of the Ohio State fan base that's really upset with Ryan Day right now. Now, I, I can kind of understand a little bit. They're licking their wounds in the Big Ten. They they were the kings, and they've been dethroned. Michigan is the clear king, the team to beat right now. So it's interesting to see them kind of playing from behind and, and you know, being the underdog in terms of who's going to win the Big Ten championship and, and not being predicted by most folks to do that. So I just think it's an interesting position for them to be in right now. Absolutely. It, I mean, it's it feels odd for if I could speak for you, an Illinois and Iowa fan. I mean, for 20 years, we have expected Ohio State to be the team to win the Big Ten and that everybody just says, OK, number one, you know, Ohio State. And then you start breaking down teams two through whatever. Uh, but but and even going into last year, if you can remember, people were still picking Ohio State like they darn near called the Michigan loss fluky. You know, Ohio State would get back to the roots. This really has been the first offseason where people have said this about Ohio State. So it's got to be a really odd spot for Buckeye fans. With that being said, I mean, we we understand Ryan Day understands that part of his uh, uh, duties as an Ohio State Buckeye coach are, are going to be beat Michigan. And if you don't do that, the slings and arrows are going to be coming from you. I mean, any Buckeye coach that signs up for this role knows that's going to be part of the deal. With that being said, we we are probably a Marvin Harrison non-injury or a non-break bust in the secondary for talking about a national championship for the Buckeyes. Yep. I mean, the, the true national championship was Ohio State versus Georgia last year. I think they would have dog walked TS TCU in the in the championship yep. game. It's crazy. Remember, like that's how that's how fine the line is for Ryan Day and you know in Ohio State themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, they played without a somewhat injured Jackson Smith and Jigba for most of last year. Correct. Imagine if if he if he had been playing, or either one of the two stays healthy throughout the year, maybe the Marvin Harrison injury in the in the college football playoff game doesn't make much of a difference you go back to your other guy or the fact that they did lose what would be considered a generational wide receiver for <laughs> near any other program 
still had Marvin Harrison and all these other receivers in the wings. I mean, that's what we've come to expect with Ohio State in this offense. With that being said, and I'm sorry, Buckeye fans, like I do feel like we, we meaning Kurt and I, and really anybody that breaks down Ohio State, you do start picking nits with Ohio State because they have been so dominant. But my major issue that I've had the past two or three years with Ohio State has been it seems like when the recruiting rankings are done, the vacuum of the talent is in the quarterback and wide receiver room, which obviously helps them become an elite offense and team. But I wonder if this year, to to put a positive spin on it, if we're going to start seeing the talent look a little bit better and get spread out over the defense and other parts of the football team. Well, so that's what I was going to say is we, this might be kind of a different look Ohio state team this year. Of course, they've got plenty of weapons in the wide receiver room, but let's start with quarterback Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, both pretty highly ranked guys, but not five-star guys. These are four-star guys. And I don't know if this is good or bad. Nobody seems to be winning the job yet. Does that mean they're both outstanding and they can't decide who to go with, which who's the truly better one? Or are they just not seeing uh, CJ Stroud? They're not seeing Justin Fields. They're not seeing Dwayne Haskins yet. I don't know what it is. If, if they're, if there's no winner or they're both great, you don't know. Um, I don't think Ohio state insiders know. Give me, tell me this. What's your gut feel? My gut is they're not seeing one of those elite quarterbacks. That is my gut as well. And, and I don't think it's not hard. I don't have to think long about that at all. That's immediate reaction is that they're not seeing it yet. So, so again, we are getting right into the nitpicking side. Trust me, Buckeye fans. We got a lot of positive things to, to talk about as well. Also giving Ohio realistic, I should say, Ohio State fans a little bit of consternation is the tackles. Um, the tackles were gutted by the NFL draft. It's rare you lose three tackles, Kurt, to, to, to go to the NFL in one year. So they have had to go out, you know, into the transfer portal. This is mighty and Ohio the- State, who has had some of the greatest offensive tackles in the history of college football, had to go into the transfer portal. To, to go get people a, a transfer from SDSU. You but know, they and, also, they whiffed on some of their transfers too. Which is mind-boggling. Yes. Mind-boggling to me. They just put three guys into the league and you get to play for this offense. You have as realistic of a chance of winning a national championship as any other team in the country. That is odd to me. I mean, they've had some shuffling with the O-line coach. So now we are, you know, picking nits with that. But it begs the question, what what if Ryan Day and Ohio State just does not have one of the greatest passing attacks in the country? How what is his ability to to shift and change? Does he shift and change? That to me is one of the most compelling things to to check out for well, the, the Buckeyes this year. So we know their offensive line is going to be talented and and we've you've got two great options at running back. Now, here's another one. Both these guys got to stay healthy. I agree. And they haven't been able to. So can you just lean into a running game if you can't rely on your passing game that you like like you have in the past? Um, I to for to looking at the running backs, I think you're talking about Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, right? I, yep. I'm, I, I'm gonna make a bold statement. I I don't like Travion Henderson as much as some people do, mm-hmm. but I like Mayan Williams more. 
than most people do. And using Mr. Ohio here, and this is kind of, I've seen this before, watch out for Evan Pryor. Uh, this is another running back in the depth chart. Ryan Day is not, he he is a cold-blooded killer behind that amazing appearance and quaff, the, the Ryan Day quaff. He'll kill you. And if you're not getting the job done, he will he will put somebody in your place that can. So he, what I'm saying is, it's it's not possible for Evan Williams to to um, uh, be the man this year if he's the one getting it done in camp. Yeah. So questions of quarterback, questions on the offensive line. I think Justin Fry. He's the, he's the second year old coach. He's got a big task ahead of him this year. And but but good running backs. Guard center guard amongst one of the best interior lines in the Big Ten. And then you get to the wide receivers and tight ends. I mean, dude, I, no offense, Indiana fans, but I can't wait to watch Marvin Harrison Jr. go to work that first game of the year, you know, and just is he going to set the tone from the second or, you know, third snap of the game and just go to work? That guy is incredible like as good as these receivers Alave and you know all the people that they've put through I don't know some people think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best of the bunch it's incredible yeah obviously you got a lot of lot to choose from there with Marvin Harrison Mika Buka, Julian Fleming I'm really curious to see what Carnell Tate the freshman looks like but also I think Cade Stover yes. gets kind of overlooked in this offense and I think if you're if you're trying to play more physical, if you're leaning into the run game, I say I want to see more looks for Cade Stover too. I, I I'll say this: he might get overlooked by the general media and Twitter. He's not going to get overlooked by NFL talent, you know, evaluators because I think that guy is going to be really good. Last year, total offense just short of 500 yards a game, ninth in the country, scored 44.2 points per game. That was second in the country. Those numbers are incredible. Now. Do I think they're going to be quite as high this year? I think they're going to be close. However, I wonder if there's a better mix between the, the, the passing game and the rushing attack. That That's all like, and I think you can still produce um, um, uh, points per game, you know, close to what Ohio State fans have been looking at, you know, the 40 to 45 <laughs> points per game type of deal. So I think that can still get there. I just wonder if it's going to look a little bit different. I think it will. And can I get you kind of excited real quick? What happens if okay. what happens if the DNA of Ohio State's offense is running the ball where defenses have to gear up to stop the run and you start consistently pulling guys down into the box because you have to stop yes. Henderson, Mayan Williams, and 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 Pryor? Oh boy, that's good. That, now you've got single or you know single high oh. safety coverage in the back end with these I, I mean it's pick your poison that's why I, I know it gets sure. me excited to think about if Ohio State's going to run the ball uh switching over to the defense I don't know if these stats kind of surprised you they they did kind of surprise me a little bit total defense 321.5 yards per game that was 13th in the country yeah 13th in the country right scoring defense 21 points per game 24th in the country. So we had a top 25 defense pretty much no matter how you slice it. But just like Ryan Day's resume, the only thing that people think about is essentially the second half versus Michigan yep. and the yep. fourth quarter versus Georgia. 
if things just look different in either one <laughs> of those games, we have a completely different take on, on this Buckeye defense. Jim Knowles did a good job his first year. That was an improved defense by a lot from 2021. And I think we might get even bigger things this year. Well, they got the the 20th most experience returning for the defense this year. And remember, before those the second half in Michigan, before Georgia, they spent most of the year in the top 10 defensively. The, but the one thing that we were always saying last year is they weren't necessarily stepping up in, in huge situations and making huge plays. It just, you couldn't totally count on them. And then we saw that at the very end of the year. So I just want to see more consistency, which I think they can do with the experience that they got coming back. Plus Jim Knowles being in year two, if you look at him at Oklahoma state, they improved every single year defensively. He was there, I think four years and, and statistically it was just a notch up, notch up, notch up every single year. They've got a tremendous amount of talent on the defense. Yes. I mean, Questions in the defensive backfield, but defensive line. Just look at these names. JT Tumala, Jack Sawyer, Michael Hall, Tyleek Williams. Then linebackers. Tommy Eichenberger, Steel Chambers, CJ Hicks. Are you kidding me? Yes. The front seven is ridiculously it's talented. It's ridiculous. And, it, I, I, and but, I, I, I think JT Tumala, dude, I, I think he is going to absolutely wreck shop this year. I mean, from the sounds of it, and, and I want to say this. I think part of the reason Ohio State's offensive tackles look so poorly in the spring is because they have an experience. Okay, they they need time to get coached up, but it's also because they're going against these all-world defensive ends. I mean, I, I think JT is going to be number one, but Caden Curry, I've heard Kenyatta Jackson has been absolutely insane. You know, moving on the inside, I think I think Tyler Williams, Malone, McKenzie, they go seven, eight deep in this defensive line, and. I don't know about you, but when Ohio State has disruptive people on the defensive line, especially at the defensive end, watch out. Well, and I think they're going to need to be one of the reasons is they we don't see a shutdown corner here. Maybe it's Denzel Burke, but we just haven't we haven't seen Ohio State. But maybe that's what they need. It's just a hellacious pass rush, and then we'll get that shutdown corner. They're going to be just fine at safety, but the question marks for me are at cornerback. I think so. And by the way, I just want to say. Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. It's great. Those are great Big Ten linebacker names right there. Good Excellent. job, guys. Um, I think Mr. Ohio and a lot of people are, are confident that Denzel Burke will step up and be the man, like a, a highly drafted quarterback probably as soon as after this year. I tend to believe that's the case. I think he was kind of young coming off injury. There were some things. So I, I will expect Denzel Burke to take a step up. Uh, but after that, Jordan Hancock, uh, David Igbenism, Igbenism from Ole Miss, Josh Proctor at safety. Like, I think the secondary can be very, very much improved. Kind of proof is in the pudding. We have to see if they're going to be to great. Uh, special teams, they got a transfer from USC, a kicker, uh, kicker Parker Lewis. So we'll see how he so, uh, how he'll do. Transferred in conference. What do you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly uh punny jesse Merkel. he was actually a really good punter last year he mm-hmm. just he, he, he just never he saw, just he probably probably something. all right so that switches over to the uh schedule real quick uh obviously we went through the the ceiling and floor uh in previous podcasts so we're not going to do that we're basically just going to break down the schedule very quick give you what we always do our biggest game 
our curb stomp and our scariest game. Um, so to start right off, I just want to say this. So in at Indiana, um, second time um, in two years that Ohio State is starting on the road Big Ten play. Uh, but then the Big Ten gives them what most people would consider, you know, a, a winnable game. Um, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and then at Notre Dame. So two of their first four games are on the road. The only one that people really think, you know, could be a challenging game is at Notre Dame. Here's the thing I wanted to point out. Then their bye week is then. Their bye week is in September. I wouldn't like that if I'm Ryan Day or a Buckeye fan. That's that's not a very well-placed bye week for me. Or idle week, no, excuse me. No, I mean, obviously somebody at Ohio State pissed off the Big Ten there. Usually an Ohio State's going to get the breaks and get a good bye week. For some reason, didn't happen this year. Um, As far as the first four games, 4-0 is what I see. I, I mean, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Notre Dame challenges them, but I don't know, man. I just don't think they're ready for that smoke. Um, I think th- that that's just what I see. Outside of that, no offense to, to to Maryland and a couple of other in Minnesota. Minnesota's at home. The only three games, you know, that I can see a potential loss is Penn State um, at Wisconsin and, and obviously at Michigan. Penn State, you know, we'll break them down soon. We expect Penn State to be really good. And people forget how, how much they yeah. challenged them last year. With Wisconsin, it's where Wisconsin gets Ohio State is right after the Penn State game. Yeah. At at home, so th- those are the three games. Other than that, there's not much. I don't know. There's, 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 there doesn't seem to be a lot of compelling football on the well, schedule. I mean, they're they're going to be favored in every game uh, until they get to Michigan, Correct. and we don't know they might be favored in that one too. So scariest game to me, I, I, I've got at Wisconsin. I thought about scariest game at Wisconsin too, but you know what? I'm going with Purdue. Okay. This is what Purdue does. Sure. And they've and done on the road. it to Ohio State multiple times and yep. scared them other times. And yeah, they're at Purdue. And who do they play I, next? Penn State. Then the yeah, good good point. Looking forward, looking ahead. It's a it's I, I would say and and you know, I maybe we do a poor job or I do a poor job of setting this up. For scariest game, the the components are it's possible to lose it. And it would be a, you know, gut punch for your team to lose to that team. I mean, that's kind of the components for it. So I think both at Wisconsin and at Purdue are are a definite uh, a candidate for curb stomp. I got Notre Dame. How about you just announce yeah. how much better you are to the college football world by beating Notre Dame something to the tune of, you know, 42 to 17? Yeah, I try to keep it in conference when I can, but Notre Dame is quasi counts because it's such a, a huge game. So I don't blame you for picking that one. I This was hard for me, but I think I'm going with Sparty. Okay. I, I mean, it's I... Sparty at home. It's late in the year, so they should be all tuned up, getting better, looking, you know, looking at Michigan in a couple of weeks and we got to make a statement. We're going to crush Sparty. Okay. Well, they definitely crushed them last year. So we, we definitely know that's, that's the case there. Um, biggest game. <laughs> Moving just... right along. <laughs> I mean, you, you just kind of write it in, but it it, it is. I mean, the, the Michigan game, like there's years there during the streak where you could maybe talk yourself into one of the other teams being the biggest game. But boy, after the last two years for Buckeye fans, 
you have got to firmly put put Michigan as the biggest game. Over under is 10 and a half. Boy, this is tough. <laughs> this this is, tough. is really tough. I there's enough questions for me that I have to go under here. Okay. Because you you figure that Michigan's the favorite to win the conference. Then they so they have to go 11 and 0 before they face Michigan, which is hard to do. And a new quarterback questions offensive line. That's just enough for me to go under. I hate going under. It's not what I want to do because of, it's Ohio State, right? But you, you nailed it, man. I mean, I, I'm not saying Michigan is an auto loss, but it's it's in the big house, and we need to see Ohio State get back on top. And then outside of that, Penn State, Wisconsin, kind of Notre Dame, you know, it's possible for each one of those. So ever so slightly under, but boy, they nailed that 10.5 over under. All right, new segment in this year's team previews. Um, Kurt, you and I do our best to be as Switzerland as possible when we do our team previews. Is that fair? Yes. Okay, and I, to, you know, pat our, myself and you on the back a little bit. I think we do mostly a good job. We hope that uh, uh, fans of teams, you know, that are listening to us at least uh, like a perspective from a neutral person. With that of being course. said... I'm not a Buckeye fan. You're not a Buckeye fan. We thought it would be good to bring in a fan of each one of these teams to give what they think their expectations should be. So in order to do that, we're going to bring in the guy that's helped us out before at Mr. Ohio. Here is Mr. Ohio. Hey, what's up, eyes on big listeners. This is Mr. Ohio here. Um, I was talking to Jeff and he was kind of asking me what my predictions were for this season. I, uh, I think I'm going to go with Ohio state. will go 11 and one and still win the big 10 for a while. My prediction was always that Ohio state go undefeated every year because they have the best roster in the big 10, but only one 12 and 0 season over the last decade just goes to show how big or how deep and how good the big 10 actually is. And I need to be a little more realistic. So I'm not sure who that loss is going to be against. We play a lot of good teams at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, home versus Penn State. Even Minnesota could be tricky this year. Maryland should be pretty good. All in all, it's really going to come down to how well the offensive line holds up. I think regardless of who takes over the helm at quarterback, we're going to be in good hands. The defense needs to continue to improve, but I'm going with 11-1 and and a Big Ten championship for the Ohio State Buckeyes. That brings us to our second team of the podcast. It's Kurt's Illinois Fighting Illini. Shout out to Big Kurt. <laughs> also, I want to give a shout out to our guy Kingfisher, Big Dog. You got to love Big Talk, Big Dog. Tracy W. I mean, we got some fun, crazy <laughs> Illinois people on Twitter. Illinois Twitter is either almost impossible to deal with or extremely entertaining. There is a very thin patch of grass in between the two. Yeah, you know, if you could just turn off the Illinois basketball fans, they'd be as a as a fan base, we'd be much more tolerable. Unfortunately, they never turn off. They never turn off. But man, Illinois football fans, as in general, are just they're just they got this. We're happy to be here and and be relevant again. <laughs> feel and it just comes out in most of the tweets. So maybe, let's go. Maybe some of it's we're happy to still be in the Big Ten. I can't believe it. <laughs> 
So the last five years, this might have something to do with it. 25 and 33, a 43% win percentage. That's 11th in the Big Ten. But the past this prologue, the Beatle era is here. Brett Bielma going into his third year in Champaign. Defensive coordinators, we're going to kind of, we'll go through that. I can't wait to ask you a couple questions about that. We got Aaron Hen- uh, Henry and Terrence Jamison. Offensive coordinator Barry Lunny last year. I would call it a breakthrough year for Illinois. You're the best person to ask. I mean, how are we? How are you? How are Illinois fans feeling? Well, how are we feeling? I I would say this is the best we've felt. Uh, You probably have to go back to early Ron Zook days. And we know that we got, looking back, no consistency from the Ron Zook era. But there was a time when you just felt good going into a season. And to me, that's the biggest difference here. The biggest thing I feel good about is I feel like we're finally getting consistency. And I know it's a little early. It's just one season after a five and seven season. But I'm confident we're going to go to -to back-to-back bowl games. And and I I haven't felt that in so long. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you got consistent. You got consistency with your coach that that followed Zook. He was very consistent, just just for all the <laughs> wrong, for all the wrong reasons. But yeah, you nailed it, man. dude. I got I got this. One of my my first points is like, I mean, to me, it starts with the defense in the front seven that has been really honestly good for two and a half years now. That defense was already playing great. People might not remember yeah. at the end of two thousand twenty one. So we're going on. You know, help me out with my math. That's like 18, 19 games that we're looking at. And you very much consider that to to be, you know, continue. And then flip it on to the other side. I feel like the offensive line took a little bit longer to develop. I, I, I think you would probably agree with that. But by last year, the offensive line was doing was looking better and doing a better job. I think that carries over. So when you have a Brett Buell coach team with his experience and you feel good about the O&D line, that's why you feel, I would assume, the consistency that you think you're going to see carrying into this year as well. That That's exactly right. You nailed it. That, the, the two things that travel and win you a lot of football games are a good defense and a good offensive line, right? Yep. Even if you you don't even have to be great at the skill position, you're still going to win a lot of football games if you have that. If you look at Brett Bielma's teams, you think of O&D line. When you look at Brett Bielma, you think, oh, in D-line. So maybe there's maybe there's a correlation there. Key losses, they, they've been documented, and they are big, Kurt. They, they give me a little bit of, you know, concern here as the Brown brothers, both Chase and Sydney, arguably, I mean, the best running back last 20 years? Yeah, but best since Mendenhall. Mendenhall. I mean, it's, yeah. it's they're, they're neck and neck. Uh, Mendenhall was better, but but he's the best one since then. Okay, Sidney Brown, awesome in the secondary, along with Devin Witherspoon and Jartavius Mountain, Martin, excuse me. Big losses in the secondary. Do you want to be crazy? And and we got and quarterback touchdown Tommy DeVito. Should we go? Should we should we do something fun? Should we start with the defense with Illinois and lead, oh, lead okay, yeah. in the front? Let's do it. Last year's stats. I mean, dude, even in Big Kurt's wettest of wet dreams. Big, big dog, uh, Kingfisher. Nobody thought this defense was going to be this good. 273 yards per game. That's third in the country. Only allowed 12.8 points per game. First in the country. That defense was destructive. We will start with the the uh, the, the front seven. I mean, your guy, you take it away. I mean, 
this D line oh. into the linebackers is is amazing. I mean, the, the, like people really, I they're getting some respect, Kurt. I still don't think they're getting the level of respect that they well, need. These guys are incredible. I was gonna say, I you must not have heard the news, but the defensive line sucks. So do you? I mean, you you think you've heard that or? I just cannot believe how much disrespect they're getting. You still, so you do think the defensive line is getting disrespect. Okay. And we love Brett, right? Brett ranks them as the fifth best defensive line in the big 10. I I would say there, you know, we, we don't have to agree with every single thing that every publication puts out there. I I would definitely have them, them higher. So I I agree with you there, but they're, they have moved up in the rankings in some spots. I see it. Pretty much across the board, everyone ranking them in like the five to to maybe seven range for defensive line. They have the best defensive lineman in the conference at, in Johnny Newton. They also have Keith Randolph on that same defensive line. Tira Edwards played really well last year in in place of Calvin Avery when he wasn't in. I, I just now they don't have the depth. The okay. uh, one guy, I, uh, one guy whose name I will say is Sed McConnell. Look out for Sed McConnell. He's going to be a big piece this year because we're going to need reps out of him. And if there's an injury, he, we're going to have to lean heavily on him. So they don't have the depth. I think that's why they're mostly getting Agreed. downgraded by Agreed. folks. But the starting lineup is is Incredible. as good as there is. I think it's two things. It's depth and they kind of fit together. I think it's depth and uh, that it you run a three-man front. It does yeah. make a difference when you literally just take one of the big humans out of there. I don't think hardly anybody is, is, is fighting Johnny. I mean, everybody knows he is going to be absolutely amazing. I would say Keith Randolph would be a name that people will get to know a little bit more by the end of the year. By the way, nobody had more fun at Big Ten Media Days than than uh Jerzon and Keith Randolph. They were they were freaking hilarious. The yeah. thinness and then just the people not knowing the defensive line, because I think it took people till about the middle of the year last year before they started to realize, oh, no, this Illinois defense really is that good. Give it one more year of being great, and I think people will will start to gravitate towards it a little bit more. All your linebackers are back. Talk to me about the linebackers. Yeah, so they do run the three, four front. So are the outside linebackers linemen? Are they linebackers? Uh, um, Seth Coleman on the one side and and um, Gabe Ackes on the other side. If we're counting them as defensive linemen, those are pretty good defensive linemen. Yeah. And the thing I like about the outside linebackers is they're deep as well. Yeah. With uh, Ezekiel Holmes on the one side, Alec Bryan on the other, and it goes even deeper than that. And then Tariq Barnes. I mean, that's a name we've gotten to know for several years now. He's, I think the whole Big Ten knows him. Right. And so the, the middle linebackers are solid too. I, I just, I like everything about the the defensive front. The only thing lacking a little depth. Lacking a little bit depth. Uh, but Overall, where Brett Bielma has got the front seven going into his third season is nothing short of incredible. Um, but things happen, right? Uh, when you have amazing talent, amazing talent leads. And that's what we got here. So, I mean, I see the names on the page, but really quick, if you had a ranking of the secondary, uh, concerned, somewhat concerned, actually excited or very excited where do you think you would be for the secondary i have very little to no concern 
I'm kind of excited at some of the possibilities. I mean, Taz wow. Nicholson, I Taz Nicholson is a very good cornerback. He's going to be just fine. Got injured a little bit last year. You who know, is Bobby, this, who is this big Kurt I'm recording with here? This, this is fun. Well, this is interesting. You remember, remember Matt Bailey, the true freshman last year? Yeah. He's going to play at one of the safety positions. We don't, don't know which one yet because he can play either one. He played in all 13 games. Guy had three interceptions. He, he, he he's, he's the heir apparent to Sidney Brown. Okay. Or he could, he could play the free safety position, but then the, they also have a lot of options at the other safety. The one name that I'm going to throw out there, they have a couple of transfers, but Demetrius Hill, he's, he was a freshman All-American at Florida International. Look for him. And you know who Bobby Diaco's favorite Illini player is right now? Tyler hmm. Strain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and Bobby, Bobby Disco back, at, back in college football. Congratulations. He figured out a way somehow to, to get the person in front of him out of his way so he could be back coaching. But um, I had to get I had to get that in there. So Tyler Strain, Xavier Scott both got a lot of playing time at the end of last year. Both did an admirable job. So I I have very little concern. In fact, I'm kind of excited. Okay. I think the defensive backfield is going to prove a lot of people wrong because I think most people are going to predict that they're not going to be good back there. And I and I I would I would have labeled myself and maybe I still do slightly concerned. I don't think this is going to be a complete change, you know, in what we we've seen out of the secondary. Here, here's my here's my thing, and this is me kind of picking nets, I guess, a little bit. What happens if the the symmetry that Ryan Walters, okay, and we'll get to that. Ryan Walters had with how good Devin Witherspoon and and um. Jartavius Martin were that they knew that they could lock up everybody on the outside and let the middle nine feast. If by just removing what I think was the best cornerback in the entire country last year, and you get just a little bit leakier on the outside, is that the effect, the negative effect that could have on the entire Illinois defense? It's a legit concern. Maybe. Devon was just that good, that good, that, that, but I think you read that correctly. I wanted that to come out as high, high respect for Mr. Witherspoon. Yeah. And I think they should be at least as good, but probably a little bit better with the pass rush. So maybe that takes a little heat off them. And again, so safety, not concerned about depth corner a little bit. That that's where depth could not nick them a little bit too. Then the $10,000 question that Illinois fans, Purdue fans, teams in the Big Ten West want to know, was last year more about the Jimmys and the Joes or the X's and the O's? Meaning Ryan Walters is impressing the hell out of people on the recruiting trail at Big Ten media days. Kurt, I've gone back and forth in my head of the defense was good because of the Jimmys and Joes and Brett Bielma. Or was the defense extra special because of the Ryan Walters touch? I still don't know where I stand. What's your comments on that? It's one of the more interesting storylines of this whole team and maybe in the whole Big Ten is how important was Ryan Walters. I kind of, I mean, I do think there was a synergy there because you got Andy Boo, who's been a DC before. You got Brett Bielma, who's been a DC before. You had Kevin Kane last year, who had been a DC, follows Ryan Walters, so you lose him too. I And Ryan always said, this is not my defense. This is our defense. And it's one of those times I rarely believe coaches when they say something. I think I believed him when he said that. So I'm kind of leaning towards they're going to be okay without him. Okay. And that's, and, 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 and 
Brett Bielma deserves that respect, right? He's he's been able to do this before. Switching over to the offense, um, out goes touchdown Tommy DeVito. In comes Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss in his 54 career pass attempts. As any fan base is wont to do, when a new quarterback comes in, we immediately assume he's going to be the next John Elway. <laughs> and Illinois fans seem to be thinking this way about Luke Altmeyer. What say you about expectations and what you think you're going to get out of your signal caller. Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing is he's going to be asked to do more this year, a lot more than Tommy. He's going to be asked to stretch the field more than Tommy ever did because he is not going to have that running game to lean on. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Tommy DeVito. I think he's got a lower floor than Tommy DeVito. The hmm. feedback from all of the, the uh, writers and from even the players, they're saying this guy's strength is throwing the deep ball now do we have a deep ball receiver that can actually catch it that's another question and then in terms of leadership he's kind of it's interesting he's kind of in between brandon peters and tommy devito you got very little leadership out of brandon peters very quiet guy and the coach has always hated that tommy you did not have to convince him to be a leader he just went out there and did it he's he's a little bit more sit back than tommy He's more more of a quiet leader, but I think he's somewhere in between. That's going to come into play too. But to me, the this the whole season, it, basically the Illini go as far as Luke Altmaier takes them because uh, it, they they need a downfield passing game this year. Yeah, and, and, and that's where you would hope with a different you know signal caller. It's just a little bit different style of offense, and that's maybe just something that uh, Barry Lunny and Brett Bulma are, are looking for. Um, by the way, you, you said uh, um, Altmeyer is the type that would sit back a little bit more compared to touchdown Tommy. Does that also uh, equal onto the, the football field? Meaning he seems to be somebody that stays in the pocket and throws the ball more as well. Or is he kind well, of a mobile guy as well? No, he's got some wheels. In fact, yeah. the 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 feedback has been he's probably a little bit better runner than Tommy. He's got a little bit stronger arm than Tommy. Maybe, I mean, I guess maybe accuracy, maybe kind of up in the air, but I would say the tools overall better than Tommy DeVito. Okay. And I think most people recruiting, you know, uh, people would, would agree with that too. Since we already kind of touched on it, let's switch over to the receivers. I'm going to make a bold statement here. Are you ready? Okay. I'm just looking at the top three wide receivers. Okay. So for not the whole package with tight ends and everything. So right now I'm just looking at the top three wide receivers, Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, Pat Bryant. Not only are those the three most underrated wide receivers in the big 10 West, I think they're the best three wide receivers for starting line unit in the big 10 West side note. That's that says a little something about the the wide receivers in the Big Ten last. I'm gonna, I'm gonna right. be honest with that. But outside of maybe Wisconsin, I don't know, man. Like th- I see playmakers here, but maybe more consistency and downfield stuff is, is what we need to see out of them. Yeah, consistency out of Pat Bryant, because he can be great if if he really wants to be. Casey Washington, he's a chain mover, he's not a downfield guy. Isaiah Williams, he he's a short you know, pitch and catch guy we need. And he will admit that he's like, I have to get better at tracking a deep ball. I have to catch more deep balls this year. That's really what I'd be looking for is is deep balls out of him and Pat Bryant more consistent. I guess 
it's just hard for me because Isaiah's not the biggest dude, right? How how tall is that guy? Yeah, yeah like five oh, nine, gosh, five ten, five nine, yeah. five ten. Okay, probably five. Um, that's yeah, not, maybe five nine. If he's five ten, I mean that's that's not so bad for a receiver. I don't know. I don't know who the downfield threat is. Is there? A, is there? Give me one other young name on the depth yeah. chart. So the the young guy to look for is Malik Elzey. He was he's the highest rated recruit of the Bielema era so far. He's going to be a true freshman. Apparently, he looks the part. He got yep. he's got a a Big Ten body already, and he's he's impressed so far in, in the practices. So I would say look for him. Sean Miller's another younger guy, but he's had injury problems. And then Hank Beatty is just kind of a a do it all guy. And the one the one younger guy though that nobody's heard of that everybody's talking about. Basically, nobody outside of Illinois has heard of this guy, Canary Wilcher. Okay. So he he basically plays the Isaiah Williams role. Isaiah's quick as a hiccup, but not necessarily straight line fast. Canary Wilcher, straight line fast. And then who's wider? The freshman that has the Big Ten body. What was his name again? Malik Elzey out of Chicago Simeon High School. Kurt, I don't know if I ever had a Big Ten body. I just want to point that out right there. Speaking of that, are you available to play tight end for the Illinois Fighting Illini this year? Yeah, little little thin there. <laughs> Anybody, any anything good to to grasp on? Yeah, I mean here. Tip Ryman. The, the coaches love Tip Ryman. Okay. In fact, Brett will tell you he's not shy about it. I this is an NFL tight end. Okay. After that, but here's the thing with even with Tip, he's not a huge receiving threat. He can catch the ball, but he's yeah. not gonna no. he's not gonna wow you. He's he's a great blocker, pretty good receiver. Then after that, it's just a bunch of young guys. By the way, I didn't do these uh, at the top, but total offense, 378 yards per game, 73rd. Scoring offense, 24.2 points per game, 94th. Me thinks uh, 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 Beetle would like to see the Barry Lunny improve on the, uh, those numbers this year. Last but not least, the offensive line. Uh, we got a good side of the offensive line here that was underrated by the end of the year. Uh, step up, other side of the offensive line depth. What you thinking? Yeah, see, this is one area where I think Illinois is getting a little too much love. It's, for okay. instance, Brett has them ranked fourth in the Big Ten. Uh, they they are big. They've got three guys returning. They We we think that Josh Kreutz is going to be the guy at center. He's pretty smallish. He's about 6'2", 290. And then we're not sure he's going to play guard slash tackle on the right side. They're going to probably shuffle some deck chairs around in the Titanic. But I think there's question marks here. It's okay. probably going to be Josh Geske that's that's going to get the start on the right side. We don't know if he's going to be tackle or guard, and then Zay Chrysler's going to be the other one. But they were good last year. They weren't better than good. I, I In fact, there were times that I was really harsh on the offensive line last year. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm actually asking the offensive line to show me more than they have. And people think that's what needs to happen. Why? Because, again, we've lost Sidney Brown. Um, listen, Reggie Love the third, the third and Josh McCray, they've always, number one, I can't keep them separate. Okay. You want to know why? Because I always start to like them either one. I, cause I feel like the statement I'm going to make is going to fit for both of them. I feel like I'm starting to like and be impressed by them. And then they just go missing, whether it's an injury or whatnot. I've, they've never been the type to just grab the role and run with it. Pardon the pun, but agree. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Josh McCray, he's struggled with injuries his whole career so far. It's one of the biggest questions I have on the whole offense is him staying healthy. Reggie Love is fine. He's just not going to ever be more than fine as a Big Ten running back. 
The good news, I guess, behind McCray, he's kind of the bulldozer guy. They've got a, a bevy of, of bodies like him okay. at the running back position. It's just what Brett has decided to do. He wants big, strong running backs. So I think Josh is replaceable. I just don't think you're going to see a any you're going to see any greatness out of the Illini backfield. Just slam them in to the line, see which one's good. You know, keep yeah. that way. You always got a, a healthy big body in there to bruise through. So that'll be interesting to watch. Special teams, we could use some legs on the Illinois Fighting Illini. Is that fair, fair assessment? They got to improve. Caleb Griffin, the kicker, I do have confidence in the guy. He He's had trouble staying healthy. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to be fine. And then Hugh Robertson, to me, it's all mental with Hugh punting. He, he's got the talent. He just gets a little nervous out there. So we got to stop him from getting the yips. And this guy's 30 years old. So you would think. Wait, he should are be you being to... serious? Yes, he's 30. <laughs> that's phenomenal. No, I, that, we have a 30-year-old player in the Big Ten. He's 30. We got to get him on the podcast, man. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I didn't know that. I can reach out to him. Holy cow. All right. Yeah, let's that that would be hilarious if we could make that happen. Okay. Moving on to the schedule. I tell you what, man. Okay. First four games, you know, we kind of do it like that. Toledo at Kansas, Penn State, Florida Atlantic. Boy, I tell you what, that Kansas game, man, second week of the season, on the road, Friday night game, you couldn't pick two styles, styles make the fight, of how programs attack, how to win games, than Kansas, Illinois, dude, I I am geeked for that game. Okay, if anybody out there who's interested in knowing for sure what non-Big Ten teams that are traditionally not very good are going to rise up. Look at Illinois' future schedule. Those that's those are the teams that, that are going to peak. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and, and Kansas, and Kansas you, hasn't peaked, you know, from, well, but from back when Fat Boy was, was coaching them, but they, they, they look a lot better compared to the previous six or seven years. Well, when Illinois scheduled them, they did not expect to see this Kansas team. When Illinois scheduled Toledo, they did not expect to see this Toledo. Yes, and, and thank you, because I skipped over them. I tell you what, like, here's the deal. I expect Illinois to start 2-0. I do. It's possible they start 0-2. I, I mean, that Toledo game is yeah. is is big, and we I might be touching on that a little bit. Penn State at home, okay? I, I'm, I'm just saying, Penn State fans, like, you know, if you got a, a a rested one day extra rested after the Kansas game, two and zero Illinois team to 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 come into play. I'm just saying, you got to take that game seriously. That that is going to be a tougher game than what the I feel like a lot of national pundits and Penn State fans want to admit. You know, if you look at the Illinois schedule from front to back, I see every single game as winnable. They could, they can, they're going to be Absolutely. dogs in that Penn State game, but they can win that Penn State game. We've seen them do it. 100%. Almost every game is losable, too. Hard for me to think you're going to lose to the Florida, Florida Atlantic Owls and Northwestern. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm chalking those up I, as I wins, but the and other 10 hard. Are, are, are jump balls. Okay. And it's hard to imagine. I think they'll probably lose to Penn State. So if you take those, if you take those three games out, Let's say they finish two and one of those three games. You got nine games could go either way. Absolutely. And and that's going to be a common theme amongst a lot of 
Big Ten West teams, let's be honest. That's why, by the way, that's what makes the division fun and compelling because Correct. of that fact. But 100%, so, again, you, you usually you usually hit my points before I even get to them, and that's that's one of the first ones I have. Here's another key to the season for Illinois. Remember last year, they didn't do so good in one-score games. Yeah, that's true. They've got to be better. If they can be better in one-score games, this could be a high-ceiling year. This could be a Kingfisher-type season. <laughs> um, and how about this for a run that's going to be important, right? At Purdue, Nebraska, at Maryland, Wisconsin. I mean, what is Illinois' record in those four games before the idle week? That is compelling stuff right there. Yeah. Scariest game of the year. I could go a lot of different places. You know, you you, you could think about at Minnesota, but Brett Bielma doesn't lose to Minnesota, okay? That's yeah. just how that goes. And you get them off to be an idol. So I'm going back to a game I just said at Purdue. Maybe it's just a little bit of a sleepy type of situation. It's at, at Purdue at night, okay? Yeah. We've got Ryan Walters. Might know a thing or two about what is the strengths and weakness. Whew. Scary, Scary little football contest right there. See, I'm going with Toledo. Yeah. Because so many Illini fans are just overlooking this game, just automatically counting it as a win. This is a team that pretty much across the board is being predicted to win the MAC. I, that I can't even look past that game because it's so scary. I can't even consider other games. I figured this is how, is how well I know you, buddy. I figured you'd pick Toledo, and if you didn't, I was going to bring up Toledo anyways. But everything that you just said, I wholeheartedly. Support got to, to strap it on. It's I think it's only a nine and a half or ten point, you know, uh I, spread. I that's, think it that's... came out I think out of the gate it was like ten and a half. And I think it's just a little. I gotta think that drops close to a touchdown by kickoff. Not a touchdown, but I could see eight and a half, maybe. Curb stomp. I'm gonna have some fun with this one. Dude, how about you just curb stomp Kansas to get to 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 Heighten expectations. I would love mm. to see some Big Ten on Big 12 crime just, just kick their butts and then get Illinois fans and the football team riding as high as can be heading into that Penn State game. I hope that is the curb stomp game. I'm going to go with Northwestern, though. I think regardless of how the season goes, let's say it's kind of a disappointing season and they're only at five wins and they just need one to get to the to a a bowl game they are going to curb stomp the hell out of northwestern let's say it's a great season they're they're nine and two going into that game they're going to curb stomp northwestern let's say it's a complete wash of a season they're they've only got two wins they're going to be so pissed off that they're going to curb stomp northwestern that's yeah. my pick I, I like the angst you, you, you basically you want to see your team curb stomp your rival and i support that I, i'm thinking about things in bigger terms i expect you to curb stomp northwestern so uh, that just isn't compelling for me for how that's going to go. Uh, biggest game, man, I could go so many different ways. I, okay, I don't want to steal your thunder if you're doing one. So, I mean, honestly, I could pick three. I could pick three I teams. I go first. Go, yeah, go first. You go first. Okay. Once I landed on this one, I, I said, for sure, this is 100%. It. It's at Iowa. Okay. Because Illinois got the monkey off their back, finally beat Iowa last year, beat them at home. Can you do it on the road? Can you do it against an Iowa team that is probably going to actually have an offense this year? I, I At Iowa was one of my choices, maybe because I'm an Iowa fan. I choked it back, but okay. I, I'm. Let me let me ask you this. I'm debating 
for two teams. Do you can you guess which are the two teams that I'm debating for biggest game of the year? I'm gonna say Penn State. Yep. And Wisconsin. You know what? I'm I'm okay. gonna go. I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. Okay. I think getting Wisconsin, if you, if you can get them at home again to prove that these wins, you know, that have happened are not fluky. Going into your idle week, I don't know exactly what your record would be, but my guess is if you can beat Wisconsin, you are still firmly entrenched in the Big Ten West uh, race at that point. Go into your idle week, because let's be honest, it's a division game. That's probably what should give it the uh, – and the thing with Penn State is I don't expect them to beat Penn State, but if they did beat Penn State, that would – they would be ranked at that point. It would announce Illinois to the world – with that being said, if you lose that game, you know, it's not the biggest issue in the world. Over under set at 6.5. This is an easy over for me. Yeah, this is easy over for me as well. I, I, I really like this one. In fact, I think I'm going to drop some quiche on this one. Put some shackles down. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is the Illinois fighting Illini. Um, We might not be <laughs> the only ones that like the over 6.5 for the fighting Illini. This is a special treat. Uh Kingfisher, I let Ill- I let Big Kurt hear your 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 elevator speech for the Illini. Kurt, what'd you what'd you think? How do you think Kingfisher did? Oh, I thought he was great. Um, I love the enthusiasm. I really hope he makes me look like a fool at the end of the year. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here is the Kingfisher. Uh what's up, eyes on big listeners? This is the Kingfisher. Um and as much as I can't really believe it, I think I'm predicting Illinois to be a nine and three or a ten and two team. Um, I've looked at the schedule like everybody else, and there would there's no Ohio State, there's no Michigan, and so a home game against Penn State, the the third game of the year is the turning point in the Big Ten. They bring back a fist on the defensive line. They return offensive linemen that should have been in the NFL this year. They they bring back their top three options at wide receiver. And you're looking at the schedule. I talked myself out of 12 and 0. They're I'm I'm not giving up a win at home against Penn State. That's a win. I'm also not predicting a win at Kinnick. <laughs> I'm also not predicting a win at Minnesota. So I'm not totally out there, but I really, I really don't know where else to go with this. So we ride to ten and two, I guess. ILL. <laughs> the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving on to the 2023 Maryland Terrapins, shout out to our guy, John Vandy. One of my favorite new friends on Twitter and uh, that helps us out with the podcast. A very optimistic John Vandy with the Maryland Terrapins. Why? Well, okay. Last five years, 25 and 30. That's a 45% winning percentage. Good for ninth in the Big Ten. But last year, eight and five. That's two years in a row. 
our guy Locks has, I would say, exceeded the expectations of what maybe me and you thought they were going to be going into a six-year offensive coordinator. He's got them all, man. If anybody has been a big-time offensive coordinator, you are welcome at Maryland. We got Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin. Defensive coordinator Brian Williams, what and how do we feel about the Terrapins? Yeah, well, one of the things that I like the most about the Terrapins is what you just just said. Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin on the staff. A tremendous coup for Locks to pull that off. Uh, we know that they're not lacking for talent. They did lose a lot to the NFL, but there's plenty of talent there at the at the at the skill positions. The question marks that I have are going to yep. be on the line of scrimmage. Both this sides. is kind. It's kind of a flip of Illinois a little bit. These guys are outside in. Illinois is inside out. Absolutely, and they get to play each other. I believe. Yes, yes they, do. they do. So that's going to be interesting. Last year's stats. I don't know. I, you know, when we, you know, I'm going to give these stats just straight out. Okay. Hopefully this doesn't confuse people, but okay. Last year's offensive stats, 401.5 yards per game, 54th in the country. Last year's defensive stats, 357 yards per game, 42nd. Statistically, Mm. a better defense than offense last year. Scoring offense, scoring offense, 28 points per game. That was 66th. Scoring defense, 23.2 points per game, 41st. So both statistics, and you know sometimes statistics can lie, don't get me wrong, but statistics would say that the defense was better than the offense. So I mean that as maybe the Maryland defense was a little bit better than we thought last year. Maybe the Maryland offense wasn't quite as good at times as we thought it mm-hmm. could be or should be. With that being said, sticking with the offense here, Kurt, I mean, this – this is a Mike Laxley team. This this is what we expect. We expect this to be an explosive offense and an offensive-led football team. Yeah, definitely offensive-led football team. We love Leah Tungavailoa back nice there. Work. Got a little dinged up last year. Hopefully he can stay healthier. Love this running attack with Roman Hemby and Antoine Littlejohn. Can they find a spare? I think they probably can. Locks, we know how well he recruits. I mean, receivers, even, even though they lose – uh, Rakim Jarrett, Jaco- Jacob Copeland, Dante Demas. It's they're still looking pretty good there. Jay Sean Jones, much. Ty Felton, Caden Prather from West Virginia, and then tight yep. end Tor- Corey Deitches. Plenty of weapons. Brian, but Brian Braswell to me, okay. offensive line coach. He's the guy. He's yeah. got his work cut out for him here. To me, the offense goes as far as Brian Braswell lets the offensive line take them. I, I, I mean, like I said, uh, John is very optimistic as, as you know, fans should be. I don't know if I can share quite as much optimism on the offensive line myself, but with that being said, and, and, and one thing I want to say is whenever a team has issues, O and D line, it, 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 you know, it makes things pucker up a little bit for me if it's, if it's one of my teams. So I'm going to apply that same thought process here. The other thing that I thought about too, is what happens if Leah goes down because the Tunga Viola's, don't tend to stay healthy throughout seasons. That's that's a that's a family trade. I, I got to be honest with you. But you know what? Billy Edwards Jr. looked good when he has come in. I definitely think, I do think they have a capable backup. Um, you were talking about the two running backs who we very much like. I mean, Roman Hemby, probably still the most underrated running back in the Big Ten, if not the entire country. 
with that being said, I do think amongst people that follow the Big Ten, people know Hemby is a player. So I feel I feel like that's something that locks and this this uh, 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 offense will lean on. And you talked about the spare and the pair, the or the the pair and the spare. Excuse me, four star Ramon Brown. That is who we think the spare will be. Maybe even potentially somebody that gets up into the pair range. So they definitely got talent. Big dude with Caden Prather. Uh, he's over from West Virginia. Corey Deiches, it's going to be another Maryland tight end that's going to go into the NFL. So, like, I knew that the skill set on the outside was good. I, I'm convinced now after reading through things and talking to John, it might be a little bit better than what I even thought it was. You know what I'm thinking right now is this is Ohio State light on offense. It, it is. very it, Yeah, um, I would say Ohio State has more figured out on the interior offensive line, Fair. whereas Maryland, the, the 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 lineman that they feel best about is Delmar Glaze. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? Oh, Let's call him the donut. <laughs> That's, that works. By the way, when getting donuts, don't overthink it, man. Glazed or powdered donuts. Yeah, all I all which I is, ever need. Which is interesting because one of my notes here is that they need to gel. On the offensive line, that's right. Um, but we do like <laughs> we do like Delmar Glaze at left tackle. He he wound up starting most of the games last year. Like he is a returning starter. There are transfers and people coming in. There's people coming up. I'm not saying it's impossible, Terp fans, that this doesn't round into a good offensive line. But I, I would say this: I think you should be very very happy that you're starting out with Townsend, Charlotte, and Virginia. Yeah, to get this offensive line and their communication broke in because it it, well, it it makes me a little scared. And and offensive line is is the single unit where chemistry and coaching matters the most and talent matters the least. So this could end up being a very good offensive line. We just don't know. Hmm. I think I agree with that, but boy, that's also got disaster written over it. What you know when you don't think you have the talent, but we'll see. How that goes. Switching over to the defense, they run a 3-3-5, um, kind of starting inside out again. Okay, so Jordan Phillips is a redshirt freshman over from Tennessee. John's very big on him. Um, we'll see. You know, like, I I just always wonder, like, why is it that a, a freshman, you know, transfers after one year? Like, what's the reasons yeah. behind that before he isn't, even gets a chance? Taze Johnson, Tommy Aiken-Bisoda. So these are juniors that haven't played all that much, not zero. These are guys that need to now step up. So it seems to be a mix of young guys that we don't know much about and older guys that haven't been able to splash. Again, I, it's, it's, there's things I need to see. Okay, so they, they have a th- three-man front. Their top five defensive linemen from last year are gone. That's tough. So now we're now we're getting to the point where we're, we're testing depth, which is – Nothing against Maryland because Illinois is in the same boat, but that's not that's this is not the type of program that can just reload that has that kind of depth. So for me, this is the biggest question mark on the team. Absolutely. Um, in the next level, Jay Sean Barnum, maybe that's somebody, Kurt, we should have bragged up more last year at the linebacker spot. Young dude, he was an absolute stud. Ruben Hippolyte, kind of on the all underrated team. I think I did an all underrated team last year. Maybe I'll do that again. Um, and then you got, and and then if if talking to John, the part that he felt needed the most work 
compared to last year for improvement on the defense was getting more sacks, just getting after the quarterback more. Still got question marks there, but he thinks Donnell Brown is the jack. They've got a jack position. They, he should be the designated pass rusher. So they've got a mix of guys that I like with Barnum and Hippolyte. Again, all the names, the depth, everything, getting after the the, the, the passer. Got to gotta see some improvements there. Yeah, lost a couple cornerbacks to the NFL. They returned a couple safeties, though. So without a without a pass rush, you're really testing that defensive backfield, too. And that is what I it's kind of there's, a I guess, another Illinois parallel there. Um, was the defensive numbers so good because their cornerbacks were so good? I'm really hoping one of them is excellent because the Giants drafted him. But it, it, I mean, they had two extremely talented cornerbacks that were very sticky, gluey cornerbacks. If you aren't getting to the uh, uh, quarterback, you 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 better have good cornerbacks. What happens if their cornerbacks aren't quite as gluey this year? Now, I think Tarheep Still is a name that is he's good, solid cornerback. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if this if we can't get to the quarterback with the losses in the secondary, something to keep an eye on, along with kind of the you know the O line, D line type of stuff. So I, yeah, so I called up Brian Braswell, the offensive line coach. I'm calling up Brian Williams. So this. To me, this is the Brian season. Yeah, because because that's another guy that's got to step up. I think he's just got a lot of work to do defensively to put together a good squad. Hopefully, it's got a better ending than Brian's song. Okay, just threw that in. All there. right, but by the way, good safeties, good safeties. Bo Braid, Dante Trader Jr., who is a junior. So those guys are going to be pretty good. Special teams. John thought that the biggest loss. Yes, that's right. Biggest loss, even amongst the quarterbacks and offensive line was kicker chad ryland he was he was a boomer man so this this is a big loss here yeah that is a huge loss and you know it could just part of that could be that john hadn't seen a kicker for about five years <laughs> yeah that's like i call him like oh my gosh we can do this we can kick <laughs> what so, is this yeah by we the way have dude, to score touchdowns like you know i looked it up uh chad ryland drafted like 10 spots after jacorian bennett in the fourth round he was a fourth rounder oh that's a Fourth kicker. Round. Wow. That's insane, man. That good is, for him. Is, but yeah, Colton Spangler, he's he's reliable as a punter, too. So yep. I, that's sure. where the, this this could be one of those teams where getting over their season total could be on the edges, you know, and your kicker and punter might be a big part Correct. of that. Moving into the schedule. Listen, I if there's anything Locks knows how to do, it's to steam, it's to uh scheme up an offense versus Townsend, Charlotte, Virginia. Like, should we set an over under for I mean we've probably done this in the past. Should we set an over under for total points scored in those first three games? Oh like, boy, that'd like, be fun, wouldn't it? Because I mean, if like the general score is forty to twenty, right? I mean, I mean, we, I, we set it one hundred eighty points total for those first three games. I mean, that's one hundred. That's sixty points a game, right? Is that crazy? Right, a little high. Wait, you're talking. Hold on, you're oh, talking just Maryland scoring. No, no, no. I'm talking total points. Oh, in, okay. In the games. Yeah, because I was going to say right off the top of my head, I was going to say 125 just for Maryland. Bingo. Right there. 120, 125 for Maryland. How good is their defense? My my guess is like Townsend and Charlotte won't score too much, so it'll probably right. go well, underneath I that. But I don't know that Virginia's going to score that much either. No, Virginia's Virginia's got awful too. So listen, yeah. I, I think Maryland could can is I would be shocked if they don't start out anything more than 3-0. Gets a little bit tougher. Okay, you go to Michigan State. We're not necessarily expecting Michigan State to be world beaters, but that's obviously a step up in competition. And then back to Indiana at home. Okay, so 
Indiana better, you know, than those the first three teams we think. I think Michigan State maybe a step above that. With that being said, when you start looking at the season total, I expect Indiana to start five and zero. I mean that that I think Maryland fans will be thoroughly disappointed if they're not five and zero. Even four and one to Maryland fans will feel disappointing. You expect Maryland to start five and zero. I do as well, and yep. and that's the one thing that I really like about they they. The schedule's about as easy as it gets if you're a Big East, Big Ten East team. Yeah. When you look at it, because the, who do they get from the West? They get Illinois and the no. two NUs. Illinois, That's yep. Pretty manageable. And the three non conference are absolute dog shit. Yep. So that's what gets me really thinking about this total. Correct. It, yeah. It, it's a feast or famine schedule right after those first five games. Then we take a step off. We go into the horseshoe. Um, Listen, it's tough for me to see that, you know, being a win. I'm, I'm sorry, Terp fans, John, but, like, you got to see it. I got to see it first, you know, before that happens. Now, they fought. They fought hard last year in those big three games, so I don't want to give them, you know, no credit there. And then to turn right around and get Illinois, that is an interesting game right there after because there could be some form of an emotional letdown after that Ohio State game. Then they go right into the idle week roll into another idle week <laughs> playing Northwestern, but then it steps back up again. And this is a very interesting situation here. Penn state at Nebraska, Michigan, Nebraska fans should be happy where they're getting Maryland because yep. they get Maryland at home with uh, 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 Penn state and Michigan sandwiched around them. That three game stretch right there. That's the story of the season. Yeah, that's fair. All right, and then they finish off at at Rutgers. Okay, um, scariest game. I think. I mean, I could go two different ways here. Um, I think. I think I'm going to go at Nebraska. Uh, there's another one I have mm. in there, but the sandwich of where it's at, the fact that you have to go on the road. Okay, it it's going to be potentially windy and cold in in Nebraska when it's uh, uh, November 11th for that game. Maybe Matt Rule at that time has his boys playing a little bit better. I don't know. That's a pretty scary game to me. That's probably the right answer. I kept looking at the early schedule and seeing them just basically sleepwalk through the first three games. And then they come up against a Sparty team that I don't expect to be great, by the way. But they're at Michigan State. And what if they just get punched in the face and realize that you know what? Our offensive line is dog shit and our defensive line is Ooh, dog shit. Okay. Holy crap. What's what's going on here? And they scary. just start panicking. No, that's you've sold me on that. That's a scary okay. game, too. I mean, I would say the three scariest games are uh, at Nebraska, Illinois, and at Michigan State. Um, curb stomp, you know, maybe not. I'm just not going to overthink this one. I got Indiana. Okay. If you curb stomp Indiana to get to a very impressive high scoring 5-0 and before you go into the horseshoe, I would think that would be something that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. I've got at Northwestern. It's it's not all that different. It's after a bye week, idle week, sorry. Idle week, idle so week. That's why I'm going with Northwestern Wildcats. Biggest game, I don't know if this is going to be controversial, but for biggest game, I have Illinois, okay? And hmm. the reason I do is because I expect a 5-0 and start, as I've said 15 times now, apparently. I expect them to lose at, at Ohio State. Don't let Ohio State beat you twice slash Illinois is a good team. So that's a big game for me is you don't want to go five up and then two back down and lose some of the juice that you had from the beginning of the season. 
I think that's a huge game to keep the confidence and buzz going as they go into the idle week and then back out. Yeah, it's a good one. I guess the Illini fan in me doesn't let me choose that game because I just look at it and that's one of those games that I just like, oh, we always lose. Traveling to the East Coast, we're not going to win that game. So I'm going with, because if you want to truly have a breakthrough and have a great season, you've got to beat one of the big three. So I'm, that's why I'm going with Penn State at home. Yep, yep. And you get them after Northwestern, you get them after that idle week too. So you should be ready to go there. Yep, totally could see Penn State, definitely a team that um, uh, uh, Maryland fans want to beat, but it's also been a team that has by and large done very well versus Maryland. So there's kind of a, I have to see it before I believe it type of deal. Oh man, over under 7.5 is th- this could be the toughest call on the board right now. It's, it's, it's really hard. And it's be- especially because of, I think they just got a great draw on the schedule this year. So that has me thinking over, but I just can't get past th- all the question marks in the trenches here. So I have to pick the under. John, I'm sorry. I'm going to pick the under two. The O&D line scare me. I need to see them beat one of the top three before I can predict them to beat one of the top three. So at that point right there, you essentially have to expect them to go, you know, nine and oh, eight and one versus the rest of the schedule at Michigan State, Illinois, at Nebraska. Those are all games that are scary to me. So just got to see it before I believe it. But I don't think either one of us would be shocked to see Maryland go eight and four for sure. I don't, I don't, would you be shocked to see them go nine and three? Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked at eight and four, but think about, so let's assume they lose to the big three, which that's not necessarily going to happen, but then you only get one more loss to go eight and four. That's, right. that's okay. the hard thing about the over here. Okay. I, nine and three wouldn't be shocking, but it'd be a little surprising. Anything more than nine and three, I would be floored incredible well here's somebody that has a very optimistic view on hitting those lofty schedules and wins it's our guy john vandy take it away john what's up eyes on big listeners john vandy bringing your maryland perspective uh, as we head into mike loxley's fifth season is uh, at the helmet maryland uh, coming off back-to-back bowl wins the expectations are sky high inside that locker room and i think it's justified led by four-year starter and maxwell award uh, nominee Talia Tagaviola. This team is loaded. I'm going to go ahead and say it's the most talented team that Loxley's had. Not only the most talented team that Loxley's had since he's been at Maryland, this is the most talented Maryland football roster in two decades. I think what my first prediction, we're going to beat one of the big three. Uh, last year, Ohio State and Michigan, we came within a score of each of them. Those games came down to the wire. I think this is a year that Maryland finally flips the script. We've had this talking point for years now that, hey, Loxley's a good recruiter, but can he can he coach? I think he's proven it. He can coach. He's a leader amongst men, and they've got a lot of expectations, and these expectations are being put on by themselves. My prediction for the year, my heart is saying 10 and 2. My head, however, is also saying 10 and 2. They are lockstep. We're doing it. We're going to shock the Big Ten. Go Terps. Fear the turtle. Last and, yeah, kind of least as well at the same time, the 2023 Northwestern Wildcats. Shout out to Big NU Football Fan, a great follow on Twitter for uh, all Northwestern fans and really just anybody in general. The last five years, perplexing, 23 and 36, that's 39%, 12th in the big. 
So this is how this breaks down, Kurt. Three years, they are seven and twenty-nine, which is a nineteen percent winning percentage. The other, but they still have two appearances in Indy and a win over like a top fifteen Utah team in the bowl. Like it's been as feast or famine, but. Now we've got some of the craziest shenanigans, knucklehead season, whatever you want to call it, that has happened. The big news, we've already done the emergency podcast on it. A longtime big staple, a longtime Big Ten fear or uh, uh, eyes on big podcast, fear monger, Pat Fitzgerald is gone. Listen, we're not going to talk a ton on that. There's not much more we could say, you know, as, as far as the the conditions that 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 led to Pat, uh, Pat Fitzgerald's ouster. Uh, now we bring in uh head coach interim head coach david braun over from the plains of of dakota of the dakota plains uh so he is the uh um uh, defensive coordinator he's in his first year but then also mike bajakian is the offensive coordinator into his third year Oof, and we've brought in skip holtz uh to be a essentially his <laughs> kurt starts laughing that that should cure everything <laughs> see now i feel bad like Big NU fan, good dude. Any any Northwestern fans that are plugging in to listen to this, I, I don't want to crap all over them, but it's not, it's just like Skip Holtz. It's the picture of Skip Holtz himself in in you know Evanston and with the you know yeah. the bow tie crowd. That it's it's just hard for me to get across. But well, but by the way, I, I will say at this point in the season, it's not like you have a ton of choices for for someone like that so i know i think it was a good move to it, was, bring him in. it was it was it's yeah. the mix that and you need like i guarantee you one person that loved to see skip holtz in that complex is david braun that guy's hair looked like it was on fire at the big 10 media days when he was do oh man i mean you I, again i just feel sorry for the dude yeah he just thinks sure. he's coming over to you know finally get the you defense know. back over from mike hankwitz and then he gets thrust into this position that is i mean thoroughly tough he might write a book someday on that so him having some help on how to lead and help with the team i think is going to be a really good thing i I wonder if you just at some point you just go ahead and switch and make skip hold to the interim head coach and just let david braun be the defensive coordinator i don't know um let's go ahead and start with the offense the numbers were hold on before before we get into that so you you have all the turmoil that we all know right you just described it then we know that Northwestern hasn't been the most talented program, especially in the last couple of years. Would you agree? I totally agree. Okay, now I'm looking at the depth chart. Now, of course, in Athlon, the, the bold-type names are the ones that are returning starters, quote-unquote mm-hmm. returning starters, mm-hmm. and and the regular type are new guys you're plugging in. There's not a whole lot of bold on this page. There is not enough. No, there's nothing that I see on this page to be bold about in any capacity. Um, The offensive numbers, good on you. Northwestern fans, you should be extremely happy. Brian Ferentz should be one of your your favorite people because otherwise your stats would be the ones sticking out. Total offense, 335 yards per game, 106. Scoring offense, 13.8 points per game. That's 127th. Um, And then we lose Pete Skaronsky and Evan Hull. The work. only thing shocking about those numbers is I cannot believe in yardage they finished as high as 106. It did not look like that. I don't ever remember them. Now, I will say the, the way they were able to get there was having whole runs, busting runs out. Yeah. That was, right. I mean, essentially their only bright spot on, on the team last year. And, and, he, and he's gone. 
he's gone, right. you know, and, and if, and, uh, um, if we're our guy, Thor Nystrom, you know, breaker down of, of, of soon to be NFL talent, dude, he loved Evan Hull. And what I'm saying is, did it take a Herculean effort by a running back? That's way more talented than maybe people thought in order for them to have any offense last year. Anyways, now him and the guy, he probably ran behind the most are gone, man. I don't, I don't know. Like, there's not, that I, there's not a lot to be positive here. There's not, but with that said, I Cam Porter is okay. a solid running back. Anthony Ty is third. He's promising to maybe one of those guys becomes Evan Hall. I think, okay, if we can get Cam Porter 2021 back, we've got a good running back. Uh, big NU fan is very high on him. He likes Anthony Tyus the third, but more he really likes is freshman Joe Hyman. So keep in mind, this is kind of more of a scat back. They're hoping to kind of use him, bounce him around a little bit at quarterback. So a lot of, of fanfare has been put for Ben Bryant, okay? Quarterback that comes over from Cincinnati. Here's my kind of concern that I have. The the, the head coach uh, left Cincinnati and went to Wisconsin. Didn't seem that he was all that uh, uh, um, encouraged to bring Ben Bryant with him. Is that is that a warning sign a little bit right there? Um, I think it probably is a warning sign. And I think what they're going to end up doing at the quarterback position, I expect to see Ben Bryant play, but I also expect to see Brendan Sullivan play. I think Brendan Sullivan is going to play and a shout out again to big NU football fan. He had, he has heard the fresh, the freshman Jack Lausch. <laughs> this is like a, uh, I think he was, I think he, he was, I think it was baseball. He's like Mr. Baseball or something like that for the state of Illinois. He's like an all type of athlete. And apparently he's just the man. He's the gamer. So who knows so it, if it's, it could be a holy triumvirate at I the think, quarterback position. Isn't that how Northwestern rolls lately? I mean, it's That's, just, a, yeah. it, it's a different quarterback every week. So I don't think anybody wants that. I, you know, I, I would think they would want to settle in on somebody, but that's definitely a storyline to keep the receivers. Okay. I mean, Bryce Kurtz is like, he's a nice receiver to get open and catch the ball. You know, you know, he's not going to break. He's not going to break anything. What they're really hoping is that Cam Johnson, um, who played at Arizona State and Vanderbilt, he's been taking a little bit of a tour uh, of of the uh, uh, country. He needs to be somebody that pops out. And then they got AJ Henning out of the transfer portal from from Michigan. So I'm not seeing much after those top three guys. AJ I mean, Henning, uh, you, go ahead. You're going to have Reggie Florema is going to need to step up. He's he was a big recruit, you know, four star by some publications, a young guy, freshman, but he's going to get reps. He needs to be really good for them to have a solid pass game this year. Yeah, somebody has to be able to make plays by himself, manufacture plays on the outside from the receivers. I don't think it's coming from Bryce Kurtz. Can Cam Johnson, AJ Henning or one of those guys do tight ends are fine. Tight ends are good. If this was a. um you know, an offense that you felt good about from top to bottom, you would have no concerns with the tight ends. With that being said, I don't know if there's any of a difference maker I see out of tight ends. Offensive line, we got we could have we could have some issues here on the offensive line. In fact, I'd be surprised to 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 not see issues on the offensive line. Yeah. And you fans are pinning a ton of hope on freshman Caleb Tiernan, winds up being in the the mold of Rashawn Slater and Pete Skaronsky. I mean, if there's anything 
uh, Northwestern has been good about. It's been locating uh, talent at the left tackle and developing a really good offensive line coach. So we'll see if they can make something out of another uh, prospect there. So one could say there's concerns at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and offensive line. Listen, it's there's a reason you go 1-11. Right. And when you go one and 11 and lose your two best players on offense, there is concern. So if, if I am off, if I am um, uh, David Braun and Skip Holtz, the the one position group on the entire team, I'm going to try to do everything I can to develop and, you know, to hell with, honestly, the 2023 season, build a young, tough offensive line by the end of the year. I think that's got to be the number one goal, probably the same goal would be on the other side of the ball, switching to the defense. The defensive stats were not any better. Well, a little bit better, I guess. 375 yards per game, that's 62nd in the country. Scoring defense, 28 points per game, 82nd in the country. Defensive line. So one person that that big NU fan really did get me excited for is big defensive end Najee Story. Really big, lanky guy. Played last year, was still undersized and developed. He's apparently took a big step up for both confidence and athletic traits. This could be a very good person on their defensive line. Yeah, so back to the defensive numbers there. Uh, 62nd in yards per game, 82nd in points per game. Now, part of that's probably their offense isn't scoring a lot, but I don't think the defense was even that good. I I, I agree. When you dig deeper, they were 113th in red zone defense. They were 100th in third down defense. And this is offensive defense, but dead last in turnover mark. Dead last in power five in turnover margin. And I'm going to tell you a lot of, you know, the the stats lie stuff. What I think happened is that so many times teams were up something to the tune of 27 to 3, 30 to 7. They knew there was nothing threatening them on the other side of the ball and they just took guys out and ran the clock out to get to get out of there with the win so because of that there just wasn't a ton of scoring that teams went against them because they just knew they didn't have to do that so okay so defensive line yeah not a lot to look for there linebackers are okay this is known as a linebacker program Xander Mueller Bryce Gallagher at least a couple names that we recognize and defensive backs Okay, I could see Ron Hurd the second, yeah. Coco Azuma, yep. Garnet Hollins, Jeremiah Lewis. Those are all names we know. So maybe they can make something out of this. Maybe you can do give it the old Northwestern try and make something out of this defense. Well, if they can get something more than what I'm expecting out of their D line, I think yeah. this can round into a a good defense. Um, Bryce Gallagher, Xander Mueller, good good linebackers, uh, but many think there's more talent. It, it, it the younger talent that they've it, by the way they because they've done a decent job recruiting like like it's kind of crazy but like the previous two or three years they recruited a little bit better than maybe people think um coca azima he's back he's kind of seems like he's been there forever rod hurd he's the star that's his role in the defense jeremiah lewis went into the terrence for portal that is not something that you want to see but raheem joseph cornerbacks are decent with johnson and house like I, I do think the secondary, which, by the way, has been an underrated group amongst Big Ten groups for the previous, you know, three, four, five years. I do think there's talent in the secondary. I just wonder what position they're going to get put in if their defensive line cannot get put, put, put some pressure. Do, do you want to, did you check into the kicker stats from last year? Did, 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 oh, no, I did not. 
Kicker Jack Olson is back after missing his only field goal attempt of 2022. Oh, I, I did know that. Yes. Okay. O, I did know. Oh, for one with field goal attempts. That that don't happen very often. That's crazy. And they were last in punting too. Oh, yeah. That's, you you and, want to write the story for one eleven? That that's a big part of it, right? There. And here's the thing: is when <laughs> you when you need everything to go right to win a game, you got to be perfect on special teams. And that that was bad for them last year too. Right. So switching over to the schedule. Okay. Now this this is how you want it to start. I I think okay, kind of <laughs> at Rutgers. You get the UTEP Miners at home at Duke. Here's the problem. Do we think Rutgers, UTEP, and Duke are world beaters? No, but at Rutgers to start the year, at Duke, and Mm. oh, by the way, Duke could finish in the top definitely half, if not third, of the ACC. Mm. We're we're already off to a scary start here, and we haven't even gotten out of September. Mm. Minnesota, Howard, and then you get your idle week five games into the season at don't Nebraska. Penn State. Don't overlook Penn State. Oh, I'm overlooking Penn State. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a So win. you're looking at the winnable games. I'm, I'm looking, looking at, at the games, winnable games here. Right. I'm looking at games that, you know, have some form of compelling story to go to it at Nebraska, Maryland. The Wildcats classic, they get screwed. The, it's a home game, quote unquote, home game versus Iowa. Played in Wrigley Field. Right. Right. 80% Iowa fans in that game. And I'm not saying it would be any different if they played it at home with that. It's just going to make mean, it that much worse. It may look like a classic Northwestern game versus Iowa from, say, like 1985. Very, very much. Um, at Wisconsin, Purdue, at Illinois. Listen, when you go 1-11, every team on the schedule is a potential loss. Um, it is just thoroughly hard for me to see them beating Penn State, at Wisconsin, at Illinois, I would, I think I would throw Iowa. And I, I, it is just so hard for me to see them winning any of those games. So then I you know. flip it over to the other side. I mean, Maryland, throw it out there too, at Duke. Like, I, I mean, obviously the two games that are the most winnable are, are UTEP and, and the Howard Bison, okay? Right, right. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to write off the Howard Bison as a win, okay? I'm going to give it I that. am too. Okay. The The – the curb stomp game and the scariest game, I both have UTEP. Okay. If you curb stomp UTEP, okay, maybe you beat Rutgers. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, even if you don't beat Rutgers, okay, if you come home in any capacity and you beat UTEP 28 to 10, right? You're thinking, okay, this is a little bit better Northwestern team than we thought. But if you get beat by UTEP, we have just entered the oh shit factor for the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely. Um, so if we're taking Howard out of it, I did have them as my curb stomp. But if we're okay. taking it out of it, then yeah, the scariest and the curb stomp has to be UTEP. And if they get beat by UTEP and they start the year 0-1-2-3-4-5, now Howard becomes the scariest game and the curb stomp game. Of right the year you have you have to at least entertain that as as being the possibility they got beat by southern illinois last okay. year correct big yes they did biggest game i mean i it's either utep or howard man i don't know i so i think it's Rutgers. okay that's fine i have Rutgers, Rutgers down here too. 
let's say Northwestern is better than we expect. Let's say yeah. Rutgers is worse than we expect. Let's say they go on the road. I know it's not going to be easy to go East Coast and win a game. But if you win that game, I'm then you it. feel great going into UTEP. Then you know you can beat Howard. Then you could be looking at an over on the season. It Very well put. I, I had Rutgers down as one of the and, – and it should be – the Rutgers game should be the biggest game of the year. If it's not the biggest game of the year for Northwestern, we could be in some trouble. Meaning, because if that means the games that you expect to win are 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 not, you know, uh, are are more important than they should be. Over under is currently set at three. I don't see four wins on the schedule. I have got to go under. I'm going under as well. Yeah, and, and three hard. is low. Three is low. Three is three is low. low. But yeah, I can't really come up with a scenario. It's just hard to come up with four wins here. Correct. Correct. I, I, I can I can come up with three and a push. Four. And that's that's yeah, that I can see three. I mean, I, you know, I can see them beating UTEP and Howard. You know, that's two right there. Correct. But it is hard to come up with two more wins to uh-huh. get over the three. That's why yeah. you have to say three is probably a pretty good number. Yeah. But I could see this drop into as low as two and a half. You know, that it makes it to me much tougher. But yeah, you just you just kind of have to pick. Yeah. Three. But hey, who are we to talk about Northwestern? I'm an Iowa fan. You're an Illinois fan. We're probably the last two fan bases that that Northwestern fans want us talking about them. So let's hear from a true Northwestern fan back from the you know, the mysterious unknown, our guy Chappie. Hey guys, I'm big football fans. This is Chappie here, uh, one of the resident Northwestern slappies and like to think that I know what's going on in the pulse of the program. Obviously took some hits over the off season with uh, everything that went on, but you know, want to try and keep this positive. Uh, moving forward, I I think that the um, the addition of David Braun on the staff is a good one. Uh, we'll see what he does as an interim coach. My big concern is usually when you see somebody who, who acts as the head coach, as well as a full-time coordinator, which he's going to be calling the defense this year. That gives me a little bit of concern, a little bit of worry. But fortunately, the defense looks like it's going to be the strong point this year. Um, a lot of experience at quarterback. I, I really think that Brendan Sullivan is going to be the ultimate winner for the Wildcats. So we'll see how that translates. A little thin in the backfield, but Cam Porter coming back, if he's healthy, I think gives him a good option. Um, big hits on the offensive line. So we'll, we'll see how they plug in those holes. Um, Caleb Tiernan going to left tackle, filling in for big Pete Skaronsky. That's going to be an experiment, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I I would love to say optimistically that I see uh, four wins for the Wildcats, but it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Howard, I would like to think, is a gimme. UTEP, hopefully at home, but you never really know, especially since Northwestern dropped to Miami of Ohio and, um, you know, Southern Illinois last year. So realistically, I, I would see – Probably three wins is the ceiling for this Wildcat team, but you know we've seen it in the past where they can uh, exceed expectations. So I, I the the slappy chappy in me is hoping for that, but realistically, I'm seeing something along the lines of a three and nine, and, and just hoping to see things move in the right direction there. All right, that is all four teams for this podcast: Ohio State, Illinois, Maryland, Northwestern. Next up, going to be another fun breakdown. We got Wisconsin, Michigan State. Nebraska and Indiana, my big man Kurt. Anything else you want to add before we close out this colossal podcast? 
Uh, Bizarro Max, follow him on Twitter. He he came up with the logo for this specific podcast. And Thanks we for love, that, Bizarro. We Max. love that logo. It's great work. Uh, Kurt and I do some fun things on Twitter to be creative, but there's certain levels of creativity that we have not yet reached. Luckily, guys like Bizarro Max and other followers are better at helping us out with stuff like that. So thank you very it much. Came up with the the Lal Illibuck term. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.